you're saying with Raheem's headed goal there, is it one of the funniest goals of the season? When you say one of, which other goals have been making you laugh? I don't, I can't, I don't know. I'm saying probably the only goal of the season that has been funny for me. <laughs> I don't Maybe City needs to step up on the comedy. Right? <laughs> this is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. What a week this has been. Six points in two Premier League games, a win on neutral ground at the Court of Arbitration for Sports, and it's confirmed that Liverpool can't beat City's 100 points record in a top-flight season. If City win their final two matches, then it will also confirm that their record for the biggest title-winning points margin can't be bettered as well. Welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast, where we've got all the fallout from a very eventful week. I don't think it was a good day for football yesterday. Yes, it was a great day for the football, not a bad day for the football. One of those two has to be wrong, so what happened when Pep Guardiola came out fighting after Monday's verdict? More on that later on in the show. City are also heading to Wembley this week for their FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal, so we'll be looking ahead to that. Plus, Howard Hocking is back to discuss the implications of Monday's verdict and the effect it's had on social media. I'm David Mooney, and joining me this week, I've got two City fans, Chris Higginbottom. Hello. And making his Blue Moon podcast debut, Curtis Simpson. Hey, David. Uh, yeah, so uh, what a week it's been, fellas. Curtis, it's, uh, it, it, I, I'm exhausted already. Yeah, same here, mate. I can't believe uh, how much has happened this week and uh, <laughs> how many conclusions we've had already. Exactly. Chris, uh, it's felt like the games this week have been more of a sideshow with what's been going on off the pitch. Absolutely. Focus very much on um, the Cass decision. I think it's like the old cliche, isn't it? It's been a psychological go on the waltzers. Was there? I mean, was there extra pressure? Do you reckon on uh, on the on the game at Bournemouth just because of like the verdict had come before it, and you know Bournemouth obviously fighting for the lives, City just like secure in second place. Well, to be honest, I think it took less pressure. Uh, I took the pressure off us, so I think there was less pressure because it's you know you haven't got that kind of Damocletian sword hanging over you. Um, everyone can fl- play with a bit more freedom. You sort of bond with your your teammates must surely be a little more assured if you're not thinking are we all going to be here next year you know I don't know I mean for, as, a, as, a, as a member of the team surely you would be thinking it would affect you in a positive way um, rather than we're off the hook as a club oh god now we've got to go out and play you know Brighton and, and Bournemouth so I think it probably helped Curtis, looking at the performance, um, certainly against Bournemouth, it, it kind of felt like, I mean, everyone was talking about Liverpool having been on the champagne when they played City. It felt like City had been very much on the champagne this week. They, they weren't great, were they? No, they, they, weren't, they weren't brilliant. I felt like it had a bit of a pre-season vibe to it. We had um, Fernandinho playing CDM in front of Stones not to mend it. I don't know how many times that's happened this season, but you could tell it felt a little bit a little bit clunky, and then when he brought on Eric Garcia at right back, I've I've not I've not seen him play there either. So <laughs> it felt it just felt a little bit unfamiliar and just a bit a bit clunky. Um, probably something he's going to be thinking about for next season. Yeah, it was that jobs for the boys sort of thing, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, you can do that. So yeah, go on, do it. Let's go for, go for it. Stay, play it right back. Who cares? Um, the 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 VAR was uh, a massive issue in that Bournemouth game, Chris. Uh, it felt like again, like if City phoned it in, the VAR uh, definitely did as well, didn't they? I mean, the the two Jesus penalty incidents, Bournemouth's offside goal. It felt like 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 just every decision just seemed to be the opposite of what we expected it to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I hate VAR like nothing else and no one else. Well, like a lot of people, but you know, it's one of the things I hate most that's ever been um i think bournemouth's offside decision for me that's not offside it's just not um the jesus penalty incident the one where i mean the one where he stood on the guy's foot as he's coming in was it cook yeah i think that's not a penalty if you're looking entirely at the ball in the from the behind the goal angle the ball as the foot comes in the trajectory of the ball seems to slow just a tiny fraction before Sterling, sorry, before Jesus gets there, and then he stands on his foot. So for me, that's not a penalty. What, what was the other penalty? 
decision. There was one in the first half where uh, Jesus just in the box just got upended entirely, and oh like, yeah, 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 just yeah, nobody yeah. nobody batted an eyelid with it. <laughs> and I think he was being fouled by the keeper as well before he got uh, poleaxed. Yeah. So yeah, I do remember that now. That that looked a penalty. So it's just uh, it's not it's a nonsense, an expensive folly. Curtis, are you on board with Chris's explanation for that second one not being given? Because I'm not entirely sure I am. You know, um, I think I, I think I, I agree with with it not being a penalty there because what's um, what's the defender supposed to do in that situation? You know, he's he's nearly got to the ball. He's not actually touched Jesus, if you know what I mean. He's not actively taken him out of his stride or blocked him from taking a shot or tripped him up in any way it's Jesus who's made contact with him so I can't, I'm kind of on board with that one but at full, mm. at full speed it does look like a, it, sh- it should be a foul so in in that situation I think it's you know it's they've probably got it right but the, the the other one where the defender just steps across him knocks him over sort of like a almost like an ice hockey tackle um mm. like a body check and, and nothing's given for it I think well where's your consistency like what's, what's happened there well, let's uh, let's look a little bit more in depth into Gabriel Jesus because uh, it's certainly he looks like he's playing with a bit more confidence, Curtis. Yeah, definitely, and I think um, you know that running games is, is is helping him. But the, the, there's one thing I have noticed is um, he tends to do this thing once he's scored. He, he sort of looks more relieved than happy. Um, I can't, uh, whenever Aguero was out last, I think it was I think it was in the um, seventeen eighteen season. Um, and he was he, he'd had a run of games and he was scoring a few. He looks genuinely happy after scoring. Whereas now, while the pressure's on him, he's, he's looking more relieved than happy. And I think that's something that's um, I'm aware of. It, it, it sort of signifies that the pressure is still on him instead of just enjoying his football. It's kind but, of feeling, um, bit, still feeling that anxiety that he needs to live up to Aguero. Yeah, definitely. Um, but ju- yeah, just just to add to that, I think I think the like little jink he did to to make that space is sort of very Aguero esque. Um, he sort of looks like he was really in you know control of of that situation in the box. There's, there's something like um, Thierry Henry used to say about about Aguero, like when when he's in the box, he's he's the king of the situation or something to that effect. Um, whereas when you know when Jesus has been fluffing his chances he looks like he's sort of waiting for the defender and he ends up having his shot blocks whereas you know in that in that situation against um against Bournemouth he he put it he put it away the the thing that that struck me Chris about him like I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the credit for that goal he scored at Brighton as well it was a tap in from half a yard out from a a shot that I think was already going in but you know he you know he's in the right place to turn it in he made sure all that sort of stuff uh the thing that that he's that I kind of adds to his two performances I think in the last two games that that assist for Sterling where he just where he just took all the pace out of the ball with that header and got it into Sterling's path for the opener against Brighton um and then mm-hmm. a, a, again against Brighton he, like he was there to put the pressure on Matt Ryan when he spilled that shot to make sure that Bernardo got the ball to pop it into the open net so he's doing everything else around like the front line as well and he's now getting the goals that that his performances deserve no one can ever question his uh team ethic and his work rate he's always doing more than bits he's always running his heart he's always putting maximum into every time he gets the chance to perform like you say it's just the goals his goals is confidence isn't it for a striker if you're not scoring goals people think you're not doing your job properly and if you're a striker then they might have a point but I don't know I I think we need to stick with him um, there's, a, there's a real real player there and I is think, he uh, is, is he under pre- is, is he under pressure or is he kind of held back a little bit by the fact that Sergio Aguero is City's number one? Well, both yeses, I would say. Um, they're all playing for the playing for the place, aren't they? At the, at the club, I think he's a fantastic player. Um, it's frustrating sometimes, but the, which goal was it? Who was he against? Um, he opened it. It came across from the left, and he, he just opened his body up and put it into the bottom right. Burnley, Burnley this season. Oh, Burnley. Yeah, so I'm going going even further away there, aren't I? But that's it. I'm I'm losing count of which Gabriel Jesus goal that has been recently scored, and uh, I'm happy to to have that problem. 
And um, talking of the pressure we put on for the Bernardo goal, what's going on with Bernardo? Are we allowed to talk about that? We can. I've not. I've not. Uh, I hadn't planned on it, but you know, let's 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 go wild and uh, and go on there. Yeah, let's 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 go with it. What's? uh, I mean, he he has had a disappointing season. I didn't think it was one of the headlines of the last of the last two games. To be fair, but I I like what 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 do you reckon has been up with it? I don't know. He just looks really pissed off. He looks like. It's really unkempt as well. He's normally like always got a smile on his face, um, you know, looking sharp. And at the moment, he looks like a disgruntled Columbo. Well, that's <laughs> that's that, that's just a man who can't get a haircut, surely, Curtis. <laughs> yeah, I think the barbers have been closed for a bit, haven't they? Um, I I think his link up has been has been off for for, for quite a while. Like. Um, you know him for cutting in on that left foot and everyone knows what he's going to do. And like last season, everyone knew what he was going to do and he was still able to do it, either get a cross or a shot in and, and, and make something happen. Whereas this season, I've noticed he's, he's, he's doing his cut back onto his left and he's having to go back into into midfield or back to the fullback and he's just not getting that, that penetration. For that first um, 45 minutes, I don't think much at all came from him from down that right-hand side. And I think that's why Pep pulled him. Yeah. Um, in, ter- in terms of creative players, um, David Silva has been, I think, back to some of his best football since since the restart, Curtis. He's, he, like, there's, there's any worries that I had about his legs not being up to it, they they feel like they've gone in the last few weeks. Yeah, I think I think I need to temper that, that slightly. I think if any sort of professional level footballer has some time off they're probably going to look a, a lot fresher and he and you know his technical ability is still amazing so he, he is going to stand out when he's when he's got fresh legs um i think if you know if if we was to go back to playing two or three times a week for the best part of nine months he'd probably look leggy again like he like he did before lockdown I, there's there's talk, Chris, that uh, he might might in big bold capital letters that is might uh, sign a contract extension to have one final extra season. Would you would, first off? Can you see that happening? But would you back it happening? I would back it happening. Um, I can't see it happening. I don't think a lot depends on. Um, I mean, next season we don't know if it's going to be like the tail end of this one, do we? We don't know if. There's going to be fans allowed. I don't know how it's going to go down. But with regard to what Curtis was saying about his legs, I think that is true. And he's really benefited from um, this enforced break in the season. And although you can't, you know, you can't rely on a global pandemic every year to (laughs) save silver. um, The the alternative to that, because I don't think he can play three times a week, is to become a bit of a a bench player. would he really want to do that? Probably not. Can he go somewhere else and be the star performer? Yes. Will it rain less? Probably. So yeah, I doubt <laughs> it's going to happen. But um, what if what if City don't win this season's Champions League and he's offered another crack at it? I don't know. I mean, if I was him, if I was if I was him and from Manchester, I'd stay. If I was him and from the Canaries, I'd I'd go somewhere else. Probably. He's he's kind of. Done more than more than um, what was expected of him. Um, I think it'd necessitate him, like I say, coming on um, from the bench more than he'd probably want. And I'd, I just, I don't know. I don't think he would. Similar situation to Aguero because he's been mooted as being offered uh, a contract extension with a massive um, signing on fee, hasn't he? I hope that happens. I think that's more likely than Silver. Uh, Curtis, you can definitely tell with Silver as well that uh, I mean, one thing that the global pandemic has 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 done is forced footballers into their back gardens to practice free kicks, and he's been doing that like no nobody's business. Who knew he was a maestro at free kicks? Yeah, I think he's only scored one or two before like that. And when you you, you look at how he passes a ball and how he you know sprays it from one side of the pitch to another, you think why has he not been on free kicks more? Um, <laughs> Enough yeah, bar so, as well. I know. Yeah, it was beauty, wasn't it? Chris, so have you been? I mean, have you been practicing your free kicks like that? Um, if you knew how small our backyard is, <laughs> you'd know that was a, a bit of a moot point. You're um, like six foot eight as well, aren't you? So, no, not really. I'm probably the same size as you. Probably taller um, than me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm six two, but yeah, um, taller than me. 
Right. Well, I've not been practicing my free kicks. I very <laughs> much like to because I really miss playing football. It's doing me head in. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's just a bit more relaxed, isn't he? The way he took it and the way he celebrated, it was just like water off a duck's back. It's just like, yeah, that's what I'd do. He has scored a few like that in the past, but not quite with that venom and in-off-the-bar aspect. Let's talk Raheem Sterling as well, because, uh, Curtis, it was a hat-trick at Brighton for him uh, with possibly one of the funniest goals of the season. Oh, yeah, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, in a way, I think that sort of, um, sort of sums him up. Um, he's just so persistent with absolutely everything and when he, when he is confident um, the goals just seem to go in for him um, and it's such a stark contrast to, to when he's not like you know the amount of you know easy tappings that he has missed so I'm, I'm really happy to see it it's, um, yeah it's a fantastic feeling and Chris one more goal for for Sterling will uh, equal his best ever Premier League scoring tally which came in the in the 17-18 season if you're taking it into all competitions he's, he's already better than any other season he's had yeah, he's really plundering, isn't he? Um, fair play to him. Obviously, works really hard, listens to what people say, um, always wanting to improve himself. And I think he he's probably will. He's certainly on course too, like you say. And uh, yeah, who can who can hold it against him? The well, brass. The, well, the, uh, the the final point for, uh, for for the last two games. It feels like two games of, of very differing fortunes, Curtis, because against Brighton, City's defence did not look troubled one bit. Against Bournemouth, they looked all over the place at times. Why was that, do you think? Um, I, I think we mentioned it a little bit before. Um, it is a bit of a makeshift defence. I don't know how many times Ostermendi and Stones have played together since coming back from lockdown. I think was it maybe once against Newcastle. Once, yeah. Yeah, um, and there was that ball that sort of went down the channel uh, and the the attacker beat Stones for, for pace. Um, and I just thought, okay, he's not done a massive amount of wrong there, but then I don't know what Otamendi was doing. He just let um, Brooks run through the centre completely unmarked. He didn't even think, oh, I'm going to keep up with him and mark him out of the game. But So it was... There was, there was the errors on top of it just seemed unfamiliar for the players. What what do you reckon for, for the future of, of, of City's defence, Chris? They're obviously going to spend on it in the summer, um, but I you, you look at, at the problems that they've had. I mean, Otamendi feels like he's in last chance saloon, same with John Stones. feels like, like Laporte is the only real kind of senior figure there that you would trust, and then Eric Garcia is a youngster coming through. Mm. Um, not sure. I think... Pep, now we've uh, had that Monday verdict, might be looking to go pretty big on that front. And you can't really blame him if he does. Um, Garcia, still very young, um, not the tallest. Stones and Otamendi, I mean, yeah, that is the reason it looked shaky. They're both um, struggling for top form and confidence. It's weird how good Otamendi was, um, you know, in that one season where he was absolutely fantastic he had one good season and because of the timing of it he got himself a new contract because of it <laughs> yeah yeah it's weird but I don't know he just seems to make the wrong decisions consistently and that's exactly what you don't want um, that, I think I'm thinking of the same incident as you described just then Curtis with Stones where he's come over to like the right back area and um, I also weirdly massively agreed with uh, what Jamie Carragher was saying on on the telly about it in that, you know, he thought three things and ended up doing neither. He's like, shall I just clear it? Shall I just um, tap it off? Shall I take a touch and go around him? And it's like, yeah, you took that, you took that long to think all those things, didn't you? <laughs> now he's the ball's over there now. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, final word for the first part of the show on uh, Edison, because that save onto the post really does deserve acknowledgement. Curtis, it was fantastic. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Um, he's coming for a bit of flack this season for a few um, dodgy performances. The one, I think the one at United sticks out. Um, and I think there was a bad performance against, was it a Lamella shot versus Spurs? Yeah, right at the start of the season. Yeah, his positioning has been a bit off. I've, I've, that's the only thing I've been, I've been worried about, but his positioning was spot on for that free kick. I know it's a different situation, you know, from a, from a, from a set piece, but um, he didn't half move quick and, and and get a strong hand to it. I know he got a bit lucky with how it 
came back and just said, head on the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, that could have been a funny goal. Um, well, yeah. Um, gone back in off his head. But I was, was going to say, Chris, it was. I don't think I've ever done this while we've been playing on the same game, but it was almost a David Mooney five-a-side special where I dive to cover the post and the shot goes wide, hits the boards, hits me and goes in. Classic, classic scenario. You love to see it. Um, final word on Edison's kicking because that I mean it's it's almost as if he's he's just been challenged to do some outrageous things with the football since it came back and, and he's gone all right then yeah I'll do it. He's just an absolute baller, isn't he? He's just showing off at times, like daisy cutters, cross pitch, um, you know, diagonals, volleys, just straight down, perfectly weighted. He's got just about every range of pass going he's a joy to watch when he's uh when he's doing that just wish the players anticipated it a bit more you'd think they'd be used to it but i'm still i'm waiting for the day that he takes on a shot you know because it must be on it must be on at some point and he'll uh he'll fancy it to to, to just hammer it down the other end uh right so well, the dust has settled on that verdict from the court of arbitration for sport but the discussion has been raging all week about the panel finding in city's favor and allowing them to play in the champions league next season sam roscoe has been looking at the reaction In a couple of Tuesday's pre-match press conferences in the Premier League, the gloves were well and truly off. I don't think it was a good day for football yesterday. In relation to the decision, I think uh, in any case is a disgraceful decision. I think it makes sense that we have these kind of rules, but about the judgment from yesterday. I don't know enough or I didn't understand it properly, but this was the judgment. If you are not guilty, you don't pay. I'm not saying Man City is guilty. I'm saying if you are not guilty, you don't pay. Jurgen Klopp and Jose Mourinho weren't trying to hide their disappointment. It's worth pointing out in response to Mourinho's suggestion there why City were fined €10 million. Euros. That was for not cooperating with UEFA's investigation. Cass cleared City of having broken FFP regulations. Yes, there was a great day for the football, not a bad day for the football because we played they show that we play in the same rules that all the clubs, all the elite clubs in the Premier League in Europe can play. Because it would have been the completely opposite. Next season could not play in the Champions League, but we can play in the Champions League because what we have done is was right. That was Pep Guardiola speaking ahead of the game with Bournemouth. As he says, the verdict was conclusive. So will that stop talk of cheating? It would be nice, but I don't think so. What happened in the recent last years, the, how many times the people came to our club to this whispering, you know, on, on us. So I would love to finish. I would like to, to say you this kind of people, okay, look our eyes and see if say something, say face to face and go to the pitch and play on the pitch what we have to play as arrivals. And after you beat us, don't doubt about it, don't hesitate. I will shake, we will shake our hands and we will congratulate them. But they lost off the pitch. Don't text me, tell it straight to my face. Best Given how City have been spoken about recently, Guardiola went further. We should be apologize. The people say uh, that uh, we're cheating, we're lying. And many, many times, the presumption of Innocentro was not there. And after, when it's happened, and it was right. So, of course, we are incredibly happy because uh, we can, again, defend what we have done on the pitch. The eight clubs that wrote to Cass in March, reportedly dubbed the hateful eight at the Etihad, were in Guardiola's sights too. They wanted the court to make sure City didn't play in the Champions League while their appeal was heard, just in case City tried to delay the decision until after the start of next season. All these clubs, and leading for Arsenal, Leicester, Chelsea, Wolves, Man United, Tottenham, Liverpool, Liverpool, Barley. So uh, I understand they won this position, the fifth position for the Champions League. For in that terms, I can understand. So what they ask is we didn't want we delay we delay the process you know to for the next season like this you know could play the Champions League. We were so clear, so I said, yeah, we are completely agree with you, eight clubs. So we want to make the, the resolution for CAS as soon as possible. So that's why they must be happy. Guardiola also had words for the La Liga president Javier Tebas, who was unhappy with the CAS verdict. He had suggested the court wasn't up to standard after it had found in City's favour. Senor Tebas must be so jealous for the Premier League, the English football. He's an incredible legal expert, what I see. So next time maybe I'm going to ask them in which court, in which uh, judges we have to go 
There has to be a little bit worry and concern about the Liga and focus on, on, on there. So, but normally these kind of people, you know that what the sentence is good for him is perfect, like it happened many times in Spain right now. But what the sentence is against, the problem is for the other ones. So, yeah, we'll be in Champions League next season, uh, Senor Tebas, because uh, what we did, we did it properly. There are others in the firing line too, like those who were unhappy about City spending in recent years, or the elite clubs who had had their feathers ruffled by the new kids on the block. We don't have to ask permission to be there. We deserve to be there. We invest a lot of money, like a lot of clubs, but we did it these 10 years on the right thing, because it was, we were being banned. And we are not banned, because we follow the the rules for the financial fair plays or the rules for the UEFA or FIFA had decided to do. He added that, despite the critics, City had been careful about how they'd spent their money. We had to reinforce as much as uh, we can because we want it, guys. We have a lot of money, but we want Alexis Santos and we could not afford it. We want Harry Maguire and we couldn't afford it. We could not pay like United pay. So we have money, but the other, the other clubs had money too. The uncertainty over the next two seasons when it came to the Champions League was ended entirely with Monday's verdict. And it seemed to have strengthened Guardiola's relationship with the club even further. Does that mean he'd be open to extending his contract before it runs out at the end of next season? The manager remained tight-lipped. This club is incredible solid, with Pep and without Pep. This club had success before my arrival here. With Mancini, with Pellegrini, they won a lot of titles and they play a really good football. So without me, when I am leaving, I don't know how it will be, the new manager, because the, the structure in the club want to grow, we want to be solid. This is the most important thing. So that will be a question for another day. Though Guardiola did say he was prepared to manage City in League 2, if some of the critics had got their wishes. But after Monday's verdict, that's not something that needs thinking about anymore. Though you get the impression that, even in light of the judgement, this is a conversation that isn't going to go away anytime soon. Hi, Colin Hendry. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Sam Roscoe there. Now, uh, how the, how are you feeling, Chris, after the uh, the dust has settled on everything? Um, pretty euphoric, actually. It was like a, it was like a trophy win, wasn't it? It was very, very important decision. Um, thankfully, we came out on the right side of it. And it became apparent leading up to it, although I was cursing people, you know, confidently touting these leaks about how we were going to walk it. Um, Everyone was really confident and we saw why, because there wasn't really much of a case to to answer. It was really badly, badly played by UEFA and um, the press as well. They've been whipping everyone up into an anti-city frenzy. But I think not only is that going to be good because we've now got a bit of a platform to build on, but it should give us that siege mentality as well against uh, quite a few negative entities, shall we say, the forces of darkness gathering against us. (laughs) (laughs) Curtis, were you furiously refreshing that uh, cast website on Monday morning? I, I was. Um, I gave up after a while because it stopped. Page stopped responding to me, so I had to rely on Twitter. But the thing is, I was on a conference call at work at the same time, <laughs> and the video was uh, was on on my face. So I had to really try and try and hold it back. I don't. I don't think it works though. But yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> ecstatic. Um, it felt like uh, we just scored like a last minute winner in a derby or something. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. What uh, what did you think of, of Guardiola's response to it this week as well, Curtis? Because he's come out all guns blazing, hasn't he? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I mean, my inner Bert was just uh, you know absolutely jumping up and down when he when he when he did that. But <laughs> it, it it does scare me a little bit because he's not only has he been really aggressive, he's also name dropped as well, and I just think oh. It really is going to be City versus the world now after this. Well, that's it, isn't it, Chris? He named names, and that, like that never happens. Well, it's because it's public knowledge now, isn't it? This uh, the hateful eight, as they've been named, the 
Octrain of Lame, the Octad of Sad, the Ogdode of Chodes, you might call them. It's, yeah, name them and shame them. And they're absolute hypocrites as well. You've got Mourinho coming out saying, oh, uh, well, this isn't how the law should work. It's like, sorry, mm. mate, weren't you done for tax evasion 18 months yeah. ago? Oh, Suspended prison sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the way they were talking about it as well, it's like they've not actually read any of the verdict. It's like what you're saying is based on what a feeling you got for, for just absolute bollocks. What's your experience, Chris, been like of of other fans this week, of fans of other clubs, and and their response to to the verdict on Monday? Um, not surprised, but I don't know. You get Liverpool fans chiming in, um, and the, the the angle where they're coming from with all this bile is just so like bizarre. I saw one guy saying uh, they're trying to call us out for claiming to be working-class football fans of a working-class club, yet we are, you know, under the thrall of, um, you know, Middle Eastern billionaires and all that. It's like, well, you know, let he who is without sin, etc. It's it's just mass hypocrisy on a grand scale. It's not, If you want to talk about money being a problem in football, yes, that could be argued. But don't don't say that we're the problem with money in football and everybody else trying to, Keep us, keep us out of the elite, and not because it's frankly absurd. Curtis, have you found many people who just who've simply said, "Well, I don't believe the judgment. I don't, I don't, it's, I don't trust it. It's not like as if this panel of independent judges is is, is somehow unqualified to make this decision." Yeah, I have found that to to be the case, and I think um, the the worst opinions are the ones that tend to get retweeted um, for you know for the reaction and. Um, I'm, I'm, I am conditioned to it a little bit now. I mean, I don't expect like um, Firmino season spelt with a Z to, to be, <laughs> you know, the most nuanced at, at looking at these at these issues, and, and I don't expect him to read the full judgment when it when it comes out. I think um, a lot of these people need the the politics summarized on on a meme, and and that, and that's what they'll they'll go with. And I mean. It, I don't even blame them for that because if if you've got someone like Mourinho saying, well, they've got a fine, so they're guilty, um, you know, he's trying to summarise a really complicated case in in one sentence. It, I I, I don't know. I I I think that is. I I mean, either there in that instance, Mourinho is proving that he is ultimately very stupid, or he's he's purposefully misrepresenting what's happened for the reaction that it will get because he he must know full well that the judgment was that City played by the rules and the fine was for not cooperating. He must know that. So, I mean, uh, do you get the sense that people are just so desperate for that not to be the case? <laughs> he's saying Mourinho's like an evil genius. I'm not saying he's an evil genius. <laughs> I'm saying I might, maybe he's just pure evil. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there is a, a bit of that. Um, and I saw that before the game um, with Carragher talking um, about about the outcome. And he was very quick to brush over where City were you know, proven right and, and quick to, um, to point out um, the parts where they were potentially wrong. And it wasn't based off any facts to, to, per se. It's just alluding to points. Yeah, a hunch, a feeling, and that that sort of stuff doesn't really doesn't really wash anymore because the judgment is there in black and white. It's you know, City didn't do what they were alleged to have done. Um, Chris, was uh, we heard it at the at the start there? Uh, was Monday a good or a bad day for football? Hmm. Let me just mull that over. Um, what should I say? <laughs> it's uh, the best day for football in uh, recent times. Thought you might say that. Well, yeah, of course, it's a good day for football. Um, <sighs> It's a bad day for it might be a bad day for FFP, but I think that's a good day for football as well because let's face it, it's not really being set up to um, do what they claim. Um, you've got certain clubs, you know, absolutely mired in debt. Um, we're completely debt free. We are now, you know, a sustainable model as well. And you've also got clubs going out of business left, right, and centre. So. Who you know? It's not. It's not saving the berries of this world, is it? 
What's, like, what's, it, what's it there for? I'm not even sure it was a bad day for FFP because, again, the judgment was City played by the rules, and that's mm. that, that. That's it, really. That's that. That's all you can uh, you can ask for. Um, Curtis, is it getting on your nerves the way other people are, talk, are, are talking, other managers, other other fans are talking about the decision? Um, maybe five years ago, it would have done when I cared more about what outsiders think about City. But now, but now I, I I just don't. I think the you know suck it up, fellas. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with it. We're, <laughs> we're going nowhere. We're in the Champions League next year. We might win it. We're probably going to be favourites. Um, as Pep says, you know, have to sort it out on the pitch. Well, I've uh, I brought a question forward from Ask the Panel because now seems like the right time to to discuss this. Uh, Steve O'Brien on the emails asks, uh, given that we're up against a clearly biased, self-appointed judge, jury and executioner in UEFA working at the behest of a cartel, then why should it have been incumbent on us to cooperate in any way whatsoever? And that, that kind of alludes to the, the fact that City were fined for, for not cooperating with UEFA's investigation when they had nothing to prove, if that makes sense, Chris. Yeah, um, it's... <laughs> You've got every right to not agree with and um, dig your heels in with being investigated in the way that it was done as well with the hacked emails. Um, basically, a good analogy I read was it's like resisting arrest when you're being wrongly accused of murder. Maybe not quite that dramatic, but it kind of puts the balance uh, in, in picture, doesn't it? It's like, well, yeah, of course we were not compliant completely and utterly with a basically bollocks investigation designed to hamstring us and um, benefit an elite cartel. I mean, the people on the panel, I don't know, it's like a who's who of clubs that hate us. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'd, I, I'd long may it continue the, the, that hatred as well. I've had years and years of being everyone's favourite second club because we were shit. And uh, <laughs> now the opposite is true. They hate us because we're mint. <laughs> Right, looking ahead to uh, games against Arsenal and Watford, uh, it's the FA Cup semi-final on Saturday. Uh, Chris, City are going to be wearing their new kit for the semi-final. What do you what do you think of that uh, of that extraordinary move? Um, I'd like to see the back of it. And if you've looked at the kit, the back's actually all right. It's <laughs> like it's uh, yeah, not not keen on it. Um, you know, mosaics, yeah, great. Uh, don't want to wear one. Yeah, not mad on it. Look, where do you, where do you stand, Curtis, on on wearing a kit, wearing next season's kit before this season has finished? Um, um yeah, I'm, I'm I'm okay with it. I think we we need to be realistic and accept that they're doing that so they can uh, uh, get get the kids buying the kits and you know get a bit of money money in. Um, I'm not going to lie, I, I am all for this move because I hate the season's kit. A home a home city kit does not have purple on it. I'm sorry, it's never. Yeah. I, I tell but you, do you, like, not... you like the new one, lads? I I really like that that mosaic. I'm not going to lie. Um, I yeah, I think I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm okay in the sense that it's not got the purple on it. Um, but it's it's not hard to get a city kit right. Just just get the right <laughs> shade of blue, um, white shorts, blue socks, and it and it looks good. I don't. I think if you're going to do a fancy motif, maybe save that for um, the second kit. Uh, or third kit or whatever. Um, I suppose I'm a bit traditional when it comes to this. Yeah, City, have ne- they've never bettered, have they? That 2009 kit, the, the Umbro one, they've never, ever got oh, done better than the, that. With the maroon? Uh, that uh, The year before that, yeah. Quality kits. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've we've got distracted there talking about the kits, but because like, this is weirdly, it's City's first real important game for a while, Curtis. Uh, I, I mean, how does that feel? <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm quite nervous actually. I d- I don't think City are always good at sort of having some easier games and having a big game. I feel like the best when when they've got that momentum behind them. Um, but saying that, it, you know, it, it is Arsenal. We've got such a good record against them, and I think you know if anyone's got Arteta's number, it's it's going to be Pep. You'd hope so, wouldn't you, Chris? This is uh, City's eleventh uh, visit to Wembley under Guardiola. Uh, in the ten already, it's it's one nine, lost one. The only defeat was against Arsenal, but they have since beaten Arsenal at Wembley in the League Cup final in twenty eighteen. So, I mean, uh, it's not a stadium where Pep's got a particularly bad record. No, uh, there aren't many other. Uh, it's a potential banana skin in it, Arsenal, but we've got to have enough 
to to be Arsenal. I got the impression the last game as well. It very much looked like um, a bunch of lads who were playing in a way that would ensure they didn't get injured. Um, so I think we might see a little bit more application, a little bit more, bit more blood and thunder against Arsenal if it's required. Hopefully, Ar- it won't be. Arsenal have just beaten Liverpool, though. I know, I know, and they played okay, but uh, I think the effort that they've put in again that was needed to to beat Liverpool will um, to be, be to their detriment compared to the relatively less effort that we've had to uh, exert going into to Saturday's game, so <laughs> to, they should be knackered and we should be fresh. To get past Brighton and Bournemouth, yeah, it sh- shouldn't really take the same amount of fuel from the tank, should it? You're right. Um, uh, a little bit of trivia. Uh, last time, City didn't have any games at Wembley in a season. Do you know when that was, Curtis? Um, was it Pellegrini's last season when he um, put the kids out against Chelsea in the FA Cup? Uh, no, because they won the League Cup that year. They beat beat Liverpool in the League Cup final that year. Chris, any ideas? I was hoping Curtis was going to get that, to be honest. (laughs) I don't know. It was the season where City replaced Mark Hughes with Roberto Mancini. Back in 2009-10, City have been to Wembley in every season since, whether it's Community Shield, whether it's FA Cup, uh, whether it's League Cup. They've, They've been in every single season since. So it's nearly a decade now where City have been to Wembley every season. Greedy. It's it's a remarkable record, I think. Um, looking ahead of then, a little bit further ahead comes what is effectively a dead rubber against Watford uh, because City are safely in second. They can't be caught. Um, they can't get any higher in the table. Watford need four points to guarantee safety, although they play West Ham on Friday. So that, it might be one point by that stage. It might be four points still. We don't know. Um, it, it feels like this could be a very dangerous after the Lord Mayor's show situation, Curtis. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Watford look look really up for it. Um, I, I think they've won three on the bounce now. Is that is that right? I don't have the stats in front of me, but either way, they look fairly informed and, and and focused on on, on survival. I'm just thinking, um, Pep's probably going to rotate after after the Arsenal game, so I think it could be a, a combination of the two. We we might not get a City win. It's a, it's a, it could be a difficult game for that reason. I mean, I, I suppose Chris, Chris Guardiola has at least been rotating the squad. I think fairly well. I mean, every every time the team comes up, you can see there's been a raft of changes again. Yeah, this is true. Uh, apart from the obvious issues we've got um, at centre half, uh, I think I don't know. I, d- I don't expect them to to take the foot off the pedal too much. Watford are they're a decent side, you know. Um, Pearson's good and you know Watford have got some really good players should have done a lot better against Liverpool this season but for some frankly outrageous uh, twists of fate shall we say <laughs> again really annoying Head, heads in hands again how did that happen did, you remember that, did he remember that swing and miss at Anfield yeah and they could have gone one up I was actually in a, a hotel it was Bolton Wanderers Stadium we were staying over somewhere and it was on television. <laughs> Stayed like, over in Bolton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the 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 ground is like a half of it's a hotel. I think it's the yeah. where they make any money at the moment. But watching that, and I just it's absolutely shocking. So yeah. Anyway, get back online. Um, the Watford are a good team, but I just think we're going to have too much for them. I'm too professional to uh, succumb to to the slugging efforts of uh, Troy Deeney and Co. Well, uh, let's turn our attention to some predictions. Uh, we remain on £870 that we've raised for the Christie so far in our charity bet with William Hill this season. Each of us is getting a £10 correct score single on City's games, and time is running out for us to add to the pot. The Christie is a cancer treatment hospital in Manchester. Um, Chris, I'm going to start with you. What's, uh, what's your scoreline for Arsenal? Because um, um, it's such a big game, I think it'll be pretty tight. Um I think we'll win, but I'm going to go for a bit of a weird 1-0. A weird 1-0 is 8-1 to one, uh, and £80, pounds if you're right. What have you got for Watford? I've got Watford 1, Manchester City 3. Uh, in your finest um, voice of, uh, what do they call it when they, um, when they read the scores out? What's that? Scores, reader outers? No, there's a, there's a name. Change Alexander Gordon? Is that? I mean, is that one of the guys that did it? 
that was the main guy, like the one who was like, you know, when you were little and you were listening to the scores and from the tone of the first one. You knew what the score was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could always predict like if it was going to be like an upturn on the on the, on the the winning team away or whatever. Oh, you knew it was but, a draw. Yeah. Like Watford won, Manchester City won. Well, exactly. You yeah, knew yeah, how it was going to, yeah, knew it was going to. Anyway, 3-1 is uh, 17 to 2 and 85 pounds if you're right. Uh, Curtis, what have you got for Arsenal? I've gone for 3-1. Um, I'm hoping David Luiz is playing so we'll get a, get a few goals. <laughs> well, 3-1 is uh, 9 to 1 and 90 pounds. And then for Watford? I've gone for, for a 2 all with um, a leggy um, Otamendi and John Stones giving up chances to Troy Deeney. <laughs> uh, that's 18 to 1. So £180 if you're right. Uh, mine, Mine's a little bit boring in comparison because I've got 2-1 uh, victories for both and uh, both of them are 15 to 2. So £75 if either of them come in at 2-1. Don't forget you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change and for more information on gambling responsibly have a look at begambleaware.org. Now it's time for Howard Hawking. He's discussing the social media fallout from Monday's class verdict. always must start with an anecdote. It's the law. So here goes. I was 18 and queuing down the school hall waiting to be handed an envelope that would tell me my A-level results. I achieved success in education by cramming manically in the lead-up to exams. I was worried I hadn't done enough this time around to get the grades necessary to go to Leeds University. As he edged forward and the queue dwindled, the nerves increased. But I had little to worry about. As I opened the envelope, my heart almost bursting through my chest, I saw the good news. I'd done enough. I even got an A in history. Blimey. And if you've not already connected the dots, that is how I felt at 9.29am on 13th of July 2020. Though in this modern age, I was pressing F5 on my computer keyboard instead, waiting for the cast judgement on my football club to appear in PDF format. What a strange time to be a football fan when I can't go to matches to watch my team and the biggest result of the season arrives via Adobe. And there it was, in big letters, saying that the ban had been lifted and something about a fine blah blah blah. Only as the time of judgement drew close did it truly dawn on me what was at stake here, and boy was it a lot. It's not what will happen now City are safe to compete in the Champions League next season and beyond, but more what would have happened if the club was not. It does not bear thinking about, to be honest. Not being in the Champions League is manageable for me as a fan. We probably aren't going to win it anyway. And it's just a few less games to boo before the teams kick off. For the players, it may well have been a different story, however, and the thought of certain players leaving, and one especially, turned my stomach repeatedly. The next three months and more would be filled with stories of players leaving, and perhaps them actually leaving, along with calls for further action to be taken against City. Yeah, we've got that anyway. The tiring of previous achievements, the possible exit of Pep, many of the board, and that's just for starters. The development of the club could have been pushed back many years. As fans, we're well past, on the whole, caring what other fans say about our team and our club, but this ban would have had ramifications none of us could have ignored. Everything would have been tainted, every trophy won. It wouldn't deserve to be, as what City may or may have not done many years ago really had very little effect on how successful they have been over the past decade but history would have decided otherwise. History is, after all, written by the victors, and so it's great to be on the right side of it after Monday's judgement from Cass. Yes, City are still seen as tainted by many, but on a level I can easily ignore. I want the further details to show that City did little wrong, certainly nothing warranting a competition ban. The headline of the judgement pretty much says that it will not be disappointed. Many Blues will rightly not care what comes out now, as City have escaped a damaging punishment, and I was the same on Monday, no doubt about it. But after sticking two fingers up at journalists and rival fans for a good 30 hours plus, it would be good to have the evidence to back up how we all acted on social media. And I'm fairly confident we will. Whilst my original doubt that City would overturn the ban was caused partially by the worrying concern in the back of my mind that the club's chiefs had had their judgement clouded by power and arrogance regarding their devastating and irrefutable evidence and their proof of innocence, it now seems more likely that they were right all along and would explain why they would take the club and its fan base to the brink. City turned down an early settlement so adamant were they of their innocence because they knew that they would not get a fair hearing from UEFA so they decided long ago that this is where the story would end. Hence the fine. You don't have to read between the lines of previous club statements to realise this 
but simply read the lines themselves. One of my favourite angles was the claim that you can get away with anything with good lawyers. And what were you expecting City to do? Turn up to the three-day hearing with a work experience guy and a book entitled Lawyering for Dummies. But hey, what a three days it has been on Twitter. Legendary, in fact. That is why us tweeters go on there for times like this. There's no better feeling than thousands of birds lording it over everyone else after some good news. Swimming upstream through the extra salty tears, batting away Dave from Cork, who himself has seen the cast full judgment and knows City cheated. A golden age of Twitter. The platform can be a gathering place for detritus. But on its day, it is unbeatable. It's a drip doctor all over again, but a hundred times better. Yeah, other fans and a fair few always impartial journalists did seem particularly happy. All they have instead is to cling on to the rather optimistic idea that the Premier League may still act on past misdemeanours. I can tell you now they will not. That's not inside information, as they have little interest in anything beyond making money and the brand, which City have not damaged in any shape or form. They'll be lobbying once more, of course, but I imagine City have dirt of their own, and I hope they use it. City should be ruthless now. They know what other clubs get up to. They know who is behind calls for harsh punishments, and it should not be forgotten. Why should it be? They know about the letters sent to Cass by eight of the top ten clubs. Well done, Sheffield United. They know who pushed for punishments. They know. You don't have to profile a Sheikh Mansour or Kaudun al Mubarak without knowing what's going on elsewhere. This is politics, after all, and it might just be about to get very dirty indeed. Now, knowing City, they'll probably just move on instead, which I do understand. We can, of course, wonder what the next line of attack will be from the hateful eight and beyond, but key, perhaps, is that City are no longer mortally wounded and can now really attack back if need be. And I do hope they will. Let's put our cards on the table and see what every club has been up to, not just City. It may open a few eyes. But let's have some fun, City. The other clubs have shown their true colours. There's no need to pussyfoot around anymore. Lobby for financial fair play for debt. Bid for every Bayern Munich player, including Leroy Sane. Build eight new tiers onto the Etihad. Sign a £200 million sponsorship deal with a local sandwich shop. Introduce sour grapes into the press-packed buffet. And so by Monday night, United have conceded the 96-minute equaliser to fall to fifth place in the league, the position that they will now miss out on Champions League football next season. Then my football accumulator came in the following night and the world was a fairer, nicer place for two days at least. It was nice to have a break from the usual reality. It's National Burt Week, a week when Liverpool lose the chance to reach 100 points too. Well, I guess the Centurions is not for everyone. I'm Clyde Tilsley. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, all that. Yeah, that Clyde Tilsley. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon podcast. Enjoy. <laughs> This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. Howard Hawking there, and we're going to finish with Ask the Panel. This is the bit of the show where you send in your questions for these guys. Uh, at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter is the best way to do it, but you can also get us on the emails as well. You can send us an email through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, first up is Jonathan Beals, who has emailed in to say, how do you feel about the prospect of renewing your season ticket for next season? At the moment, I don't feel like I would want to go to games because because I don't think it's safe, but I'm not in an at-risk category. Unless City put in a system where I can save my ticket for future seasons, I'm either going to have to pay the money and choose not to go, or give up my ticket and go to the back of the queue. Is anybody else worried about how renewals can be done if stadiums are opened again from September? Curtis, what's your, what's your gut instinct on this one? How are you feeling? Um, not not positive. I think we, we're going to need some firm government guidance to, the, to, to all Premier League clubs on this because I think in the absence of that guidance if if they just say right yeah you can open your doors again um, I, I anticipate you know City are probably not going to not gonna get this right you know they're, they're really good at um, you know fighting UEFA at CAS but when it comes to sorting refunds for tickets and things of that nature I don't, I, I don't think they're the best um, I think ultimately I think this might come down to um you know, a bit of a bit of a personal um, gamble, if you will. You know, it, if if you think it's it's not safe to go, um, it's it, that's sort of your prerogative, and maybe you uh, you sell your ticket privately to to a mate for that season, so you can ensure you know you've got it for the next. What Jonathan said there, like, is um, anyone else worried about how Neil's? I am worried about it. I also know somebody who is in the at-risk uh, category. 
and he's basically saying if they don't let us um, say I don't want to go this season and kind of defer, yeah, yeah, then then he's just you know he can't do it. Um, but then, I mean, if you, if you have loads of people defer and we are allowed back, like you'll have, you'll have an empty stadium, won't you? Well, I mean, I don't, you're going to have less people there than than you'd expect. Um, it's really tricky, isn't it? We don't know. I suppose the best thing to do is see how the land lies at that stage. Um, look at what the situation is at the time and take it from there. And that's why nobody's really we've not really said much, has we? Have we? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I am worried about it. In answer to the question, really worried about it. Um, I don't think I'd feel particularly confident going it's going out of the ground isn't it is the main the worst bit it'd be the concourse but mainly the concourse and and kind of because i suppose in your seat if it was a full house then you're at risk because you've got those kind of like what nine people that are immediately around you but uh, like it's that it's how do you how do you manage big crowds of people without you know and, and keeping them distant even if you even if you only partially open the ground it's it's still difficult is it a good opportunity for um, some kind of distanced standing option? I it could be. I've not. I've. I've not seen the idea floated. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm going to bring in a, a question from from David Lamb on Twitter as well, uh, who asks if fans are allowed in next season, but at a reduced capacity. How should City decide who gets a ticket? Should it be a ballot? Should it go on points? Or should we allow season ticket holders to go to one game in every three or four each? What's the best and fairest method? Um, Curtis, have you got any ideas about about how this could be done? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know where to start with this. I'm afraid. I think whatever system we come up with someone's going to unfairly lose out you know whether you've got a season ticket or um you've already bought a ticket or, or what um it's it's someone is going to lose out and I, i'm not sure on the numbers of season tickets that we've got is it something around twenty five thousand to thirty thousand? i can't I honestly can tell you actually i probably should have checked um <laughs> so i mean that's that's pretty much half full anyway so is that not going to account for, if you're going to socially distance is that not going to account for the allocation we we would safely get at that point. So I I, I don't know how this can be facilitated. Um, my only my only suggestion, and I don't know, like this is really just I, I hate the phrase, but blue sky thinking right now. Um, I'm throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. But could you could you kind of <laughs> like, low hanging fruit, David? Yes. Uh, <laughs> could you could could there be a way to have season ticket holders renew their season ticket for next season, but only pay for the games that they uh, that they sort of win tickets for in the ballot, and then you have a ballot system where I don't know, it's a it's a sixty forty or a seventy thirty split where people can apply for uh, in if you're not a season ticket holder, you apply for the thirty percent split for specific games if you are a season ticket holder you automatically go into the 70 percent application and then we just kind of we deal with it on a game by game basis and you only pay for the tickets that you win because that that, to me that's the only way i can see where you get the option of of not having to not being forced into renewing your ticket in order to keep it because of uh, you know worries about not being able to go you can then you could maybe i don't know if if you win the t- if you win the ticket and you're not able to go, you can turn it down for that game, mm. and you know get a refund on it. That sort of thing. I I don't know. I think that certainly, yeah, it's a lot more. It's a lot fairer, more sort of feasible and practically applicable. And um, my idea for a Black Mirror style Bertieing, <laughs> where you accumulate Bert points for um, disparaging United online, um, you know choosing a city fan over a, an opposing fans club in a social situation uh, and somehow accumulate Burt points like that. I was thinking going down that route, but yeah, I think that sounds brilliant. Is that, is that app in development? No, not yet. It's embryonic stages uh, very much so. But, uh, <laughs> if you think it's got legs, I mean, let's go with it. I'll, I'll back it. I'll back it to the hill, mate. Let's let's do it. Let's You and me, as soon as we finish this recording, we'll we'll, we'll get, get on to how to... Uh, we'll, we'll app making for dummies. That's where we need to start, isn't it? <laughs> Core apps. 
corporation. (laughs) Uh, Right, well that's it for this week's Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, then don't forget you can support us by simply going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show and leaving a rating and a review. If you'd like some more, then on this week's Patreon bonus show, me, Chris and Curtis are discussing the impact that City Centurions had in the week that Liverpool officially can't beat that tally. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Thanks to my guest, Chris Higginbottom. Time for having us. And Curtis Simpson. Thanks very much. I'll be back next week. I'll see you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.